Welcome to the vault where you can find the code to unlock your success. In this space, I invite real, inspiring and successful experts. We have eye-opening conversations about the way to reach your highest potential in life and in business. We will cover the mastery of mindset, energy, emotions, transformation, sales, marketing, thriving in business without losing your authenticity and balance. Hi, I'm Sonia Martinovic and host of The Vault, an entrepreneur, mindset mastery and online business coach with an obsession on real transformation. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs and other influencers master the mindset and build a successful and impactful business. Do you want to break free from your limitations and express your truest self in business and in life? Is growth your game and success your aim? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the vault. Let's start cracking your code. And this week, I'm so excited. We're going to set the vault on fire because today with me is Neil Tricarico. And he's amazing. He has 23 years of sales and sales leadership. He started his sales career with Deepak Chopra, leading up to being one of the founding team members, building the business mastery of Tony Robbins. He implemented his selling with intentional methodology and Robbins research, leading his four sales teams to record-breaking results. His work focuses on increasing sales profits, market share to utilizing the most ethical, efficient, and effective influence, selling, and client relationship skills. He joined the Scalable Company as its executive sales leader in January, where he has grown sales revenue almost up to 475% in six months. That's so amazing. I'm so honored and proud to have you with me today. And besides, you're an amazing human being with very effective energy. So I'm excited to get started. Uh, it's great to be here with you, Sonia. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell the, the listeners of The Vault, what is your story? Have you always been passionate about sales? You know, I have. I uh, Well, I mean, I'm just a passionate guy by nature. I would say when I began my sales career, I came up in software sales. And so it felt a little bit incongruent. I would call myself a reluctant salesperson, right? So I came up in sales in the late 90s, early 2000s in Silicon Valley. And it was more like coffees for closers. It was a closer mindset. We got to close the sale. Yeah. We got to overcome objections and things like that. So early on in my career, I was a reluctant salesman. I felt like a fish out of water. Um, I felt like sales was other. I had to step into this other being than this human that enjoys and prefers to connect with other human beings. And when I met Deepak is kind of where, where the opportunity opened up to demystify sales as other. Yeah, absolutely. So Deepak Chopra is a very spiritual man, of course. So how was that experience? How did he pivot to a more of a sales and marketing mindset? What That's a that? great question. So <laughs> it, you know, I, I understanding your audience and what has drawn me to you is the influence and impact of energy and 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 universe and things happening in a in a real divine kind of way. So it was a confluence of divine experience. Like for me, I was considering getting out of sales because I found it to be kind of gross. 
Um, but I also, at the same time, I didn't want to give up. I wanted to move into sales leadership. And for Deepak, his business, right? So he's a well-known author, spiritual guide. His event business was struggling. And some really well-known names had invested to keep the business going because it was having so much impact. But they had said to him, hey, you've got to bring more of a business mentality. You've got to bring a sales program to this business. It can't just be volunteers answering the phone. And if someone wants to sign up, yes. So it was a confluence of opportunity for both of us. He wanted to keep the business going and proliferate his mission. And I wanted to get into the demystification of sales. So I actually didn't know who he was when he met him. When I met him, (laughs) I didn't. I, I didn't. I just had applied for a bunch of positions when I came to San Diego from San Francisco. Didn't know him. My mother-in-law went bananas when she yeah. heard I had uh, <laughs> an interview with Deepak. She walked me over to her uh, her bookshelf, you know, and so I got to understand the man. So I, I, when I interviewed with him, I think our connection point was I demystified sales and marketing. I said, hey, listen, let's not look at marketing or sales. Let's look at marketing as education. We need to educate our audience and our prospect base around how we can help them. And then I said, let's let go of sales. Let's not look at or consider the word sales. Let's instead think about strategically the word service. So if we could educate and serve, and I can build a program around those points, you know, would you be interested in understanding how we could do it? And and he was. And so it started (laughs) from there, but he had one caveat. He said, listen, you though have to come in and and eat our cooking, so to speak, right? So I I not only want you to learn meditation, I want you to get certified in meditation because you're going to be leading things and impacting things. I want you to learn yoga, which I had been doing with my wife and really live this lifestyle. So we joke around it years later, who's impacted whose life more? Because you know, 17, 18 years later, I'm still meditating twice a day. All of those things that that he insisted that I learn and, and live have impacted my life. And we went on to Im- grow the business, you know, 900% in a couple of years, take it from sub million dollars to, to north of eight and a half in four years. So it was, it was amazing. Wow. That's an amazing result. And also meditation is so powerful, right? I mean, and talking about law of attraction and you coming yes. together and doing this amazing thing. So tell me that his team, his sales team, because normally um, the the team responds to their leader, right? So yes. they might, what is the mind shift that happened for them after going through the sales trainings and the sales program? Great, great question. So the, the truth of the matter was there was no sales team per se. There were two or three volunteers and an admin. I mean, so I basically started with a a blank slate and they would answer the phone. And if someone had questions about a program that they saw on the website, they would answer them and hang up. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So an interesting question though, along the lines of what you're saying is I had to build the sales team, but when you're recruiting for sales, especially in early 2000s, You know, sales reps, those of us that thought of sales as more connective were kind of suffering in silence. So the the, the real question that and challenge was how do I recruit, how do I recruit people who are heart-centered first and who would bring to bear their own talents with my capabilities and, and framework 
to let go of sales and interact with other human beings in a way that we can understand their challenges. And if we can understand their pain and their challenges and our events led to transformation, I mean, that's the hero's journey and and and, um, Deepak's story is let's find people who are struggling and let's let's show them the path to transformation. So I just implement that in sales, but it was challenging to find those people. Yeah, it, I can imagine. I when I was a sales manager, I had to find people too, very good people, and normally they're hunters or farmers, how you would call them in that time. But consultative selling is amazing. So then you made this amazing transfer into building business mastery for Tony Robbins. That is like as good as it gets. So tell me about that transition. And uh, what did you see when it comes to leadership uh, when you created that program for Tony Robbins? Great. And so just closing the loop, you know, we ultimately did hire people at Deepak. We, we implemented a framework that I had used to, to find people who would be more heart-centered. It just took, it took some time mm-hmm. and Truthfully, I had to recruit some people from my world. So I brought a couple of people down from San Francisco and some people from non-sales walks of life, Yeah. right? So that's how we built the team. And then transitioning to Tony, one of the blessings because Deepak and Tony were friends were, um, I got to go to Tony's offices a lot. His vice president of sales at that time became my mentor. I got to go to unleash the power within. Yes. And, um, firewalkers. <laughs> firewalkers unite, right? When did you first go? Uh, my first live event was actually in Miami 2019. And I was just like blown away oh by the gosh. experience. Yeah. It's not we, too long ago. No. And we were there. We were were literally at the same event together. Yes. Oh my gosh, Neil, that's amazing. Yeah. Until last year I was leading sales teams and I, one of my sales teams was the outside sales team for Unleash the Power Within. So the team that would go to the Miami or Florida area, give presentations in offices and enroll people. So I was, I was there with my, well, I was at all the events really, but I was there with my team in Miami, 2019. Oh, that's so amazing. That's, I cannot even believe this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My first UPW was 2006. And so I'd become fast friends with Tony's vice president of sales. And which just, it really resonated with me because now I had the confluence of my energy, my drive, my passion, which was a fit for sales. But I had a, I had the influence of Deepak. Things were running really well at Deepak's. And then if you remember in 2008, 2007, 2008, the economy really hit the skids, especially here in the United States. Apples yeah. weren't falling off the apple cart anymore and hitting people in the head. Businesses were failing. Business leaders were choking and, and the real estate challenge and problem. So up until 2007, you know, it's been so many years, people forget this. Tony's events were only focused on personal growth, Absolutely. unleash the power within, date with destiny, relationship events, personal growth events. Even though he was recognized as a top business coach or expert, that work was being done almost exclusively for presidents, titans of industry, CEOs, but he felt compelled to help business owners and business leaders. So that that summer, it was 2008, there was an event. He just wanted to do a one-time event for business leaders with Chet Holmes, who has since passed away. He's the author of The Ultimate Sales Machine. So it was Tony Robbins, Chet Holmes, 
And then they needed to build a team to enroll people for this one-time summer event. So I was kind of lent or, or borrowed or brought in to participate in that. And that event had so much success. I still have the, the DVDs and the workbook there. It was called the Ultimate Business Mastery Summit in the summer of 2008. It was such a success that it was decided business mastery or the business mastery unit was formed. So that business unit was brought in to Tony Robbins. I was brought in as the director of sales to, to lead that program, to lead that division. Deepak understood we parted on amazing terms. I left you know, some sales rep behind, a manager I had groomed, and I, and I moved into you know, into Tony's world, uh, you know, full-time end of 2008, you know, and business mastery has been, been going strong, you know, ever since. Yeah, it's truly, it's truly amazing. I cannot even believe it that, that you are one of the creators. That's, that's just like, that shows that you can really bring the vision and the energy across and bring this amazing sales system across that you have built so uh, before we dive into that, because it's truly amazing, it actually made me cry. I will tell you about it. But before we do that in the mm -hmm. vault, we like to crack the vault and crush some limiting beliefs when it comes to sales. I come from a, a sales environment where I was always focused on consultative selling, selling from service, long-term relationships, you know, working for a long time with, with clients. So there are some sales myths, especially yes. maybe right now. So yes. can I throw a couple of them uh, your side and then you respond? Yes, <laughs> let's crush the vault or break the vault. I love it. Okay, so a sales myth, always be closing. Yeah, I think it's one of the, the, the biggest myths of all, right? Uh, the, only, the only bigger myth, in my opinion, sales is a myth. So we'll crush your vault and let's explore that. But yeah, always be closing is, is a myth. I mean, think about it. Does anyone want to be closed anymore? We don't even answer our phone from people we don't know, let alone people we do. It's like, why don't you just text me? So to always be closing is, is not only inappropriate, no one wants to be closed. It's exhausting and it, it has no, no similarities to our most important relationships. You know, you and I are just starting to get to know each other. And this is a meaningful relationship to me. Absolutely. All it has to do with is connection. The antithesis of connection is closing. So always be closing. We must not only crush that myth, just absolutely obliterate it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. So next one. Salespeople are born, not made. Great question. Great myth. So salespeople are born, not made. I'm never someone who's like in the middle, but I, I don't think it's crushable in terms of black and white. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think what we have now is it's no longer about sales personality. So it's not enough to be, you know, an extrovert, an outgoing person or talkative. So I think that's what people consider the born part. That being said, the most successful sales involves the matching of some innate qualities, right? So the ability to connect with other human beings, the ability to bring some energy, the ability to establish rapport, ask good questions. So there are some fundamental underlying attributes that one could argue you're born with that would lead to more success in sales. That being said, my entire career, 
is based on proving that sales performance is a learned capability, but you you have to have some underlying, it's, 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 it's a learned skill set, but you have to have some underlying, I don't know about born, but you know, God-given, universe-given attributes, the confluence of which taught will lead to the most connection. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So let's go on to the next. Sales is all about money. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I would crush that myth. You know, if if money is the outcome any individual is chasing, let alone a sales individual, they're going to be sorely disappointed. I mean, you you've been to mass business mastery, and and you you you're alive and you're awake, as am I. There are countless stories of people who have more, more money, more toys, more stuff, and many of those people tend to be the most unhappy. What's great about sales is there's no other profession on the planet where your ability to earn is uncapped. But the thing that drives the best of the best sales performance are the people who associate a greater why, right? Mm -hmm. So I remind myself of it here. This is my family and our dog. There's no greater why. We're in the, (laughs) yeah, we're in the midst of a remodel. I have a a plan up here. You know, I want my parents aren't going to outlive their retirement. I want to provide for them. So when our why is great enough and it, it, that's going to require income, you know, the, the money comes from taking actions and living in a way that's going to drive that why. And then you just need to land in a sales profession where your opportunity to earn is uncapped. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, maybe a leadership sales um, myth is a fancy CRM will lead to success. Yeah, that's the biggest myth of all. I'm going going through it right now. And every organization I come into has has that same myth. I mean, software is never going to solve or create sales or revenue. You know, I've I've just seen so many failed implementations is you've got to have your sales motion, your sales system, your sales structure, independent of the software. And then when you can leverage software as a way to increase efficiencies to execute that sales motion, um, then you've got to win. But, But time and time again, businesses will tell themselves the myth that the CRM is going to solve something. And I, I have yet to see that happen. I'm totally with you when it comes to that. Yes. <laughs> After so many years. But um, how important would you say that? I think we crushed a couple of sales myths. So yeah. how important would you say that mindset is when it comes to selling your services? Yeah. So I, I think I want to tie the mindset to crushing the ultimate myth of all. So mindset is the most important in sales. It's, it's the old Pareto principle. It's 80%. It's 80% mindset and 20% strategy. But here's the ultimate myth of all. Sales itself is a myth. Like being in a sales role or, or selling suggests that you're stepping into something other than your true nature. Our true nature as human beings is to connect with one another. Some of us are born with some capabilities that are more innate to do that. Others are not. So the introverts maybe aren't, but they yearn for connection as much, if not more than those of us extroverts. So it is 
it is our moral obligation to still connect with introverts. But the point being is once we make sales something that we have to step into, that we have to be, become, or do, it's changed the game. So if we can say sales is a myth and throw it out and now come back to our true nature, which is about connecting with another human being, holding, understanding their most important uh, needs, not what they think they want. They'll come to us with what they think they want, but to discover their needs. Yeah. And then like we do in our, our most intimate relationships, hold our partners accountable, challenge them, right? Now we've totally demystified sales. And for many people, there's a freedom in that because they don't have to train, study, become something other. They actually have to shed conditioning and let go of the sales myth and become truer to themselves to connect more with other human beings. And then that in a long way answers your question that mindset is the most important piece into now what we've demystified as sales. Yeah. And if you look at your why and your passion, I think you cannot help to sell something if you think that it's going to solve someone's problem. If you think that you have an amazing solution, then you cannot help but sell, right? Because you really want to connect and, and want to build that relationship and do it together, right? Yeah, well, that the, the last part is the key. Do it together because that starting point of mindset is says, I want to uncover their pain. And when I uncover their pain, I have a moral obligation to, to determine, does my product or service solve that? If it doesn't, I should not close them or I should not enroll them because that would be closing. If it does, my next obligation is to make sure and ask the questions and build value in a way that they understand it. So when your prospect can articulate back to you, the value that makes it worth investing in you, you have enrollment. So we have to start with the mindset and belief that we can help. But once we see that they have pain and we have solution, it is our obligation to help them not only see it for themselves, but articulate it for themselves. When they articulate it themselves, it's a magnitude greater than us telling them. Yeah, they actually ask how to proceed at the moment when that happens. Right? Yes, yes, it's that's the moment. So much about that connection, so much about really listening to the needs and really seeing where it fits and how you can translate it back so that you find the best fit and then... You shouldn't have a lot of objection, even maybe none. <laughs> so that's exactly right. If, if you've done all that and the client can articulate the value in their own words and asks what are our next steps, or if they don't and you have to ask, you know, Sonia, why is this something we must move forward with? Yeah. What will happen is you hit the nail on the head so beautifully. You're not overcoming objections. It's like turning oh. the consultative pyramid on its nose. You're actually, they're probably going to form it in questions. Well, yeah, I believe we should move forward. This is really going to help me because of A, B, and C. But I'm I'm curious, it's a lot of money. Is there a way to break up the payments? Or, you know, so they're asking questions as opposed to objecting. People will object when they're feeling closed. Yeah, absolutely. When they're feeling closed, uh, they will object. And if you notice in your sales calls that you have a lot of objection, 
then maybe it's good to focus the the less speaking, more listening, right? Yes, a thousand percent less speaking, less speaking more, listening. more listening. It's the same for coaching, right? So yeah. um, sales mindset tend to change in times of crisis and we, yes. we are still in a crisis. So what do, do you feel that people are struggling most right now, for example, in the pandemic? What is What is the new things coming up with this pandemic um, that has like a big influence on people or on sales? Great, great question. Even though the pandemic is the biggest thing we've seen in a number of years and at least my lifetime, the challenge for the sales reps mindset remains the same. It's uncertainty. Yeah. Uncertainty. But the pandemic has created the most uncertainty and the most confusion, right? So what, what, we as sales professionals need to focus on and what I've built my career on with my seven-step intentional sales process is you've got to have a framework. You've got to have something to come back to because in times of uncertainty, if you start getting too high, getting too low, changing up, it it creates more confusion and uncertainty. You need to get grounded in, in a framework. You know, we talked about a CRM earlier and then we talked about overcoming objections, but like recording your calls or using gone and breaking down the tape, so to speak, to understand where have you come off your your program. You know, I don't necessarily love sports analogies, but it it they they really do play because you know sports teams focus on the process, yeah. right? And so the process drives everything. And then when they're in the game, now after the game, they're they're looking at the tape a lot of times in real time on iPads and they're saying, all right, this was the process, but if we look at this tape, we 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 failed here and that led to them doing this. Well now in sales we can do the same thing. When I, when I made this statement, instead of asked this question, look how he kind of stepped back or, or looked away, we broke rapport. But when I asked this question in this way, look how they moved in. So you, you've got to have a, like a process or framework that's your, call it grounding or your true north that yeah. is unwavering despite uncertainty, because then it doesn't, then you, you will let go of, I have to close this guy. I've got to make quota. I've got to make my mortgage. You, you you focus on what's in your control. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also very important to have leadership, right? So in Holland, I don't know how it's in the US, but we used to have like a soap box. That's like a normal box that you that like the, the leader, the CEO stands on and then starts to tell about the changes and starts to tell about the transformation and the vision, right? So when it comes to this soapbox in, in whichever form it comes, what are leaders not doing enough right now, which would make an amazing difference when it comes to their team motivation and, and going forward with the business? Uh, that's a great question. I think your, your analogy of the, the soapbox is really akin to in sales, what used to be closing, like leaders, the best of the best leaders, when you study them, when you work with them, or in my case, when I try to exemplify them, it has less to do with being on a soapbox and and pontificating and telling. And it has more to do with understanding, right? All of the answers that you need to grow your business, to innovate, to increase sales, to increase marketing exist on the front lines and all of the levels in between you and what's happening with the clients. Mm-hmm. So it's it's my belief 
that a leader's best attribute is to seek to understand the beliefs, ideas, and opinions of those that they lead to put together the best possible solutions and then hold them and themselves as leaders accountable. Yeah, I'm, I love that. I love that. Uh, I worked for a business long time ago where actually uh, everybody in the team was responsible for just creating the plan towards the end target or the end goal yeah. we had for the year. And they they presented themselves to us. And then you see their commitment towards yeah. that achieving that goal. It doesn't matter how. They were so creative in how to achieve that goal. And then they chipped in also. So I love that framework also to... Um, to get more like commitment in 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 a business and yeah when it's, when especially yeah. in sales if if you're dictating quotas if you're dictating numbers person's going to go after it for their own reasons but as soon as they see that it's not possible to do they're going to they're going to lose all the wind in their sales but it's a sales leader's responsibility to understand from his or her reps what is your most important uh, why, Rep? What is your most important why? Yeah. What is your most important why? What is your now financially? What do you need to earn to hit that? Mm-hmm. And if you go around and empower each rep to come up with their own number, in most cases, the total of their numbers chosen on their own that they take ownership will exceed your quota. If it doesn't, and it's a small gap, then you can go back to them. If it's a huge gap, you've got to actually look at what's really actually possible. So, but when you start with them, their why, and come up with the numbers as opposed to dictate it, now you can hold them accountable to their outcomes. So if you're two thirds of the way through the month, it's not about, you know, our target's 30 and we're at 20. It's like, hey, you, you know, you wanted to hit, you know, you wanted to hit X number of units to, you know, put $10,000 towards your engagement ring. There's a gap. There's a $6,000 gap. How can I help you close that? Now they're motivated, not like the number is 30 and we're at 20. Where's where's the 10 sales? Yeah, because they're part of it, right? They're yes. not spoken to their work together with. So I love that process mm-hmm. what happened it's also with kids like <laughs> I have two mm-hmm. little kids so once and it's a boy and a girl so sometimes they fight and then okay. they I don't want to give them the solution so I yes. ask them to step into the room and to find a solution and when, when they come up with it they come back to me and it works like a charm <laughs> yes Love I've got easier. two as well yeah they're our <laughs> biggest teachers right yeah, absolutely. Yes. And they're genius. They know how to sell, Neil. I mean, yes. if they want candy or money <laughs> or a trip, they will look at your kids. They will yeah. sell the hell out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or a dog. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. My daughter bamboozled my wife and me quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's amazing. So nowadays, it's also a lot about AI and digital transformation, like in, in, in a lot of businesses, especially when it comes to big businesses. And that too awakens fear and resistance in people. What should a leader take in account when they are going to a big di- digital transformation when it comes to their people? That's a great question. And it's something I don't know that I have the complete answer to, but my belief is there will always be a need for human to human interaction. Yeah. Um, if we ever get to the point where there isn't, I, I think just humanity is in trouble. 
So we've, we've got to keep that in mind that that connection must always be there. Now, as more businesses are digital or are online and such, it is incumbent upon those business owners, if they're not having human-to-human interaction with their prospects, to execute a, a program that is designed to seek the same outcomes, yeah. is to seek alignment, to seek understanding. Do, do, we, do you have a challenge? You know, Are you in pain? Do you have a challenge? And if you do, and our solution meets that, we got to kind of go through that same process, but delivered digitally. And so, you know, it's tricky. I mean, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, it's it's really actually happening. And if we're yeah. not aware of it, it's going to get away from us. Yeah, it's it's a thing that people don't speak about uh, yeah. easily, right? But there is a lot yes. of fear and resistance, which is normal, especially in the pandemic right now. But when I look at it, uh, everything coming from AI and digital transformation is input data, output data, right? Yes. But yes. if you have the input of relationship, the output will be a relationship. Do you have any other Can tips? I borrow that? That's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> if you have the input of relationship, you're gonna have the output of relationship. That 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 audience is is the solve there. There's, <laughs> there's your answer. <laughs> Glad I could help. Yes. <laughs> but when it comes to sustainability in sales, right? Yes. You, you want you don't want quick sales and then one-time sales. You want sustainability. You want uh, uh, to help the client not only from A to B but from B to C and yes. beyond, right? Yes. So what? what what would your best advice uh, be to build a sustainable uh, sales uh, machine? Should I call yeah, it? Yeah, great, <laughs> great question. So I've I've distilled it down into an analogy that I call RAD. It's a cool analogy. It's RAD, but it's retention, acquisition, and development, mm-hmm. right? Now, people often ask me, well, how can we put retention before acquisition? You can't retain a client that you haven't acquired, but I put it there first, not because it's a cool acronym, but because it's your most important sales strategy. Every month that you retain a client is far more profitable than what it costs to acquire them. Yes. But you, you've got to build out your sales system in a way that you're acquiring clients, you're retaining them. But then the last part is the deed. The development seeks to understand how can we get from B to C, C to D, and beyond. So you, you've got to take a, like a simple analogy and framework like that and build in the the systems that are going to support your, you know, support the prospect to client and the client on his or her journey. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're saying that. So it's the customer's journey and the customer's experience Mm -hmm. that is going to build a great business. Because if you have a great experience as a client, that definitely will help you do more business with the business. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the things I learned from Jay Abraham, that's a small distinction potentially for you and and your audience, but is the customer versus the client, right? So Mm -hmm. by definition, a customer is transactional. Yeah. A client is under the care and guidance of an expert. So even if you're selling stuff online and you're never having a human interaction, you want to seek clients because clients is what solves for that ultimate journey. They're under your care and guidance, whether it's digitally, human to human or not. But a a, a customer has the physiological reaction that I'm only as good as my last transaction. And if I can buy this for less somewhere else, I'm going to move there. A client understands that 
price is only an issue when the value is not clear. So they may pay more to stay with you because it's so valuable. You know, mm-hmm. we have so many experiences like that in our lives, whether it's Apple or any of the other finer things that we may like in our life, we will tend to pay more because of that value in that experience than we would to someone else that probably can deliver the same technological benefit. Yeah, but there is a, such a big why behind Apple and such a great messaging that people yes. just fine with. And besides, they're very smart in how they <laughs> build their products and, and how they follow up. easy so. for us. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm an Apple user. I must admit, I love Apple. So Me too. I, everything here is Apple. Yeah. <laughs> so they're doing a very good job at having a great customer experience, at least yes. for me. So let's talk about the amazing way and what you built over the last 23 years when it comes to uh, a sales strategy and a framework, right? So yes. I did this assessment. It was more yes. out of, <laughs> it was more out of like knowing, get to know more about you, get to know more about this process. I just wanted to be like super prepared for our interview. Yes. And then I did this like science-based. Yes, uh, the sales <laughs> strengths identifier. Yeah, the sales strengths identifier. And I ended up crying. <laughs> I didn't expect it, Neil. It was so good. It first of all, it is something that you cannot manipulate manipulate even if you wanted to. Yeah. Second of all, I was crying because of all the amazing outcomes that I've seen that I might have been underestimating myself in. So that was like yes. a great epiphany. And then yes. I had a breakthrough to okay, so this is the one thing that I should do to make things even better and to feel even better and to dream even bigger than I'm doing right now. So I wanted to thank you for that because it gave me an insight, such a profound, I think it's like, how many pages is this? Like 20 pages. Yes. And I did the test like in 15, 20 minutes. So I was just like, I was blown away. And the best things, guys, is you will have the opportunity to grab it for free. Something that normally goes around for a thousand bucks. You as the listener of the vault can take this assessment for free. So I'm so excited, but tell me more. Tell yes. me more about- well, I, And we'll, we'll share with the audience how it's my, my gift to give that. But first and foremost, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your experience with it because it's, it's, not, it's not a test. Right. And you said something very important. It's also not manipulatable. It's not a it's not a marketing magnet. In 2011 or 12, I became really passionate about the confluence of science and connection and relationship and how we could apply it to sales. So I studied all the best personality instruments out there, you know, disc, strengths finders, a whole host of them. And I said to myself, I want to go beyond personality type. It's no longer about extrovert or introvert. I want to go into the capabilities that you would need. So I stayed on site with disc and I got uh, licensed and then I co-created the um, Sales Strengths Identifier with them. It's my IP. But the seven core pieces are mindset, your ability to shift focus away from your needs and desires to the other human being. The second is your ability to establish rapport. Okay, I heard Simon Sinek describe this best. It's trust. He defined trust. So rapport is trust and respect. Trust is the biological reaction, biological reaction 
that someone else has your best interest in mind, right? So building or establishing rapport is 45% of the sale. Then it's diagnosing needs, which is 25% of the sale. How, how good are you at asking questions? So 70% of the sale is mindset, establishing rapport, trust and respect, diagnosing needs. Then you get into, okay, instead of pitching and presenting, we need to build value, which takes, okay, the needs that we've uncovered and how do we associate them and articulate them back to the prospect in a way that it ties the benefits to solving their most important whys, right? And when that happens, then we create buy-in, which is step five. We talked about that way earlier when the client articulates in their words why they must move forward. Then we have enrollment, which is step seven, right? If we don't have enrollment, then we may have to overcome objections or ask questions. So those are the seven sort of fundamentals. And then as you saw from the sales strengths identifier within each one of those, there's five to seven attributes. So there's 54 different attributes that are uncovered, but not through asking sales questions. And we don't want to tip the audience off, but the, the questions are related to life and things like that. It's a scientific instrument that then produces the report of data to understand kind of where you are in each of these attributes. And the thing that's most important for listeners, your listeners to understand before they take it, and the world is that there's no perfect assessment. So the reason that you were emotional about it in my experience is because there was such a, a visual connection to what you believe and see and know about yourself and, and myself looking at it and knowing you for all of a couple hours is it, there's something liberating in that. But then also what's cool is if you have that framework, when we were talking earlier about what do we do in times of uncertainty, we know where our gaps are. We know where we're, you know, maybe a little bit deficient in, you know, asking questions or, or maybe in times of stress, we focus on ourselves instead of the other. So it's an awareness of the gaps that we, we can focus on to, to overcome some of those limitations, to bring our best version, our best self to bear. Absolutely. I, I was, as, as Neil said, this is not some kind of average test. I was seriously, I had assessments when I, when I got to work to, with Heineken and I was in there for two days, but this was like, it gave me breakthroughs and strength. And I really, really love it. I really love what, the work that you created here. And uh, I would recommend everybody to take it. <laughs> Yeah. So um, can you tell a little bit more about what kind of businesses and people do you help to 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 with their sales and their organization and leadership? Yeah, great question. I want to make sure we don't leave anyone hanging and I'm sure you'll put it in the, um, you sure know, the enough. notes. Mm -hmm. But if you go to my site, neiltrecarico.com and we'll spell it out there and put it there for you. You can take the assessment there as my gift. Just put in there in parentheses, the vault, and I'd be happy to spend some time with you about it. The folks that I help, it's, it's all sales professionals. The ones that I enjoy working with the most are the individual contributors. So I have clients, coaching clients that, that I mentor in sales to increase their results in achieving their most important why. So that's that's the one that I enjoy the most is that one-on-one -on -one interaction with reps. I also consult with organizations that have sales teams to either recruit, hire, onboard, train, and retain sales reps, or to come into an organization, install this methodology hand-in-hand -hand with a sales leader, 
and leave it behind. So I do that in a, in a consulting mechanism. And then I just, um, that those are the two areas where I can help, but I love to help individuals. So if any of your audience is in the sales profession and they're, you know, they take their assessment and they're interested in, in my help, or if you're a sales leader, a business owner who has sales professionals, um, you know, I'd love to help as well. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. And I will put it in the show notes. Make sure you take uh, you take advantage of it. <laughs> and um, one last question, Neil. So yes. what is the one question that nobody ever asks you, but you would love to answer? Oh, wow. That is a great question. What is the one question that nobody ever asks me that I would love to answer? Well, quite frankly, it's, is, is sales a myth? I guess that would be the question, but no one would know to ask it because it's such a thing. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Um, And then we covered that six ways from Sunday on here. So I guess that would be it. I mean, but it's such a powerful question. I'd like to see if I could think of another one. That is a good one. I mean, they always ask me like, if you could do just one thing and um, (laughs) that's the number one thing, I, you know. I'm stumped. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> we have time. There is no hurry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not off. Most of the people that come to me with questions about sales is to no one ever. I'm often at, they're, they're always asking about how can I sell better? How can I make more money? Right. And so those are the answers, but no one ever comes and asks me, why did you get into sales? That would be, that would be the question that I, I, I can't, remember anyone asking me, why did you get into sales? All right. So why did you get into sales? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question. I got into sales, I, I think kind of out of necessity. So I grew up wanting to be an attorney and studied to be an attorney, went to worked as a paralegal a couple of years, went to law school. And I quickly found out in that first year, even though that I did okay, being an attorney wasn't about advocating. It was about understanding and analyzing the law. So after borrowing $34,000 and not liking law, I, I, you know, I, I left law school, but I didn't know what to do. And I was working as a bartender and a waiter. And I kept hearing, oh, you should do sales. You should do sales. And I went around to people in my world and they're like, oh, you'd be great at sales. I was really reluctant though, because I looked at sales in those mid to late nineties as like, used car sales closing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But I had to make money, right? I didn't know what I was going to do. And sales was easy to get into. And then quickly, I was great at it. And then my whole journey has been about demystifying sales, mostly truthfully to make myself feel more comfortable about the profession that I had joined in a time when it was pretty gross. Wow, that's that's, that's an amazing question. answer because you know you had such amazing results with 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 people now as Deepak and Tony and a lot of people that are seriously influenced in their impact and how they can impact other people, you know. So I, I love that answer. I truly love it. Thank you so much, Neil. And you guys, I will see you next week to level up again. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vault. Respect for showing up and creating your next stage of life and business. If you like this episode, I invite you to dive deeper and stay. The S stands for subscribe and share. 
Make a screenshot right now and pay it forward and send this to five friends who can benefit from this value. The T stands for try and transform. Try the technique, at least until the next episode. The A stands for action. Action creates success. Don't stay a student when you have a code. You should try to open the vault. And finally, the Y stands for you. This is about the most valuable asset of the vault and life in general. The one and only authentic you. So if this was your code, please comment and help the vault grow. Hashtag unlocked, hashtag next level, hashtag dive deeper. And see you next week to level up again.